listening to the Cross-Border Interviews with Chris Brown. Welcome back to the Cross-Border Interviews with Chris Brown. I am your host as always, Chris Brown. And today is our Friday question. That's right. Our Friday question is our first Friday of each month where we are going to pose a question, bring a guest on or potentially a guest who wants to come on and talk about an issue or a subject. And we just we digest it and we try to dissect and try to learn about the question that we've posed. And today's question is this. Alberta's draft curriculum. Is it good? Is it bad? Or really, is it just indifferent? And to do that, we have a teacher from Edmonton coming on the show, Mr. Wade Hutchinson, who is going to be helping us dissect the new craft uh, draft curriculum that Jason Kenny and the Alberta UCP have proposed and is currently piloting in, I think, less than 5%. And Wade is going to correct me on that. Uh, 5% of schools across the province. So, Wade, I want to thank you so much for doing this. And thank you for reaching out to the show. Always happy to have people who want to come on the show and talk about something on the show. So thank you. No, thank you very much for having me. So Wade, uh, let's, let's get to the nitty gritty of this first, because we will get into your background a little bit later, but right now the draft curriculum, as it's proposed from your perspective, what, what's the good, what's the bad and what's the, what's, is, is it good or is it bad? Let's start there. I'm going to go beyond bad. It's, oh. uh, it's, it's, uh, it's horrific. Um, How, what, what do you mean by horrific? Because a lot of people would have different opinions on what horrific means. So what does horrific mean to you? Um, horrific to me uh, means that the curriculum doesn't do what curriculums are supposed to do. Okay, so a curriculum ultimately has an end goal that when students finish an education system, um, that they're ready to contribute to society. Um, And that they are the current curriculum as it stands, the one that is not being piloted, but the one that was is about to be changed potentially. Does it do what you've just asked? Yes, it does. Um, But our our world is changing. Okay. Uh, so I'll, I'll use social studies. So I'm a social studies expert. So I'll use social studies in particular. Uh, the current curriculum that we are using um, dates back to 2005. So, um, for example, if you if you look in the curriculum, um, there are statements like CD-ROM and uh, other technologies that are significantly outdated. And so with respect to advances in society and technology, uh, innovation and jobs, um, this curriculum is outdated and it certainly, uh, certainly needed um, a touch. Uh, also with regards to social studies um, in 2005, the curriculum is, um, it's diverse. It addresses indigenous uh, so First Nations, Métis, Inuit, um, it addresses uh, Francophone Albertans to some extent. Um, it also addresses um, minority groups in Alberta to some extent, but certainly not uh, to the extent that um, our society or Alberta society has become more diverse and that um, we really haven't addressed the First Nations, Métis, Inuit um, issues with with respect to truth and reconciliation. So I think it had a place to go. Um, It certainly, uh, from what I can tell, was going in the right direction. Um, But this curriculum 
it's horrific in that it really lacks a, a scope of and sequence. It's a smattering of facts that doesn't seem to have a plan. It's not it's not a mapped out route. Um, a lot of the content in the early, um, it's a K to six curriculum, but in the early grades, so your grade one and two, they're not age appropriate. It's like the person or the group that wrote this curriculum doesn't have an idea of uh, child development. Uh, the other thing that really is wrong with this curriculum that makes it um, inappropriate or um, how should I say terrible or horrific is that it actually prescribes pedagogy. And I think that's where uh, Minister LaGrange um, and Jason Kenney and the creators of this curriculum, um, I think they fell short because there is a difference between curriculum curricular outcomes and expectations, knowledge, skills, and attitudes, and pedagogy. Pedagogy is how a teacher teaches, and there is prescribed pedagogy in this particular curriculum, and so therefore, it really is quite restrictive on teachers. Um, This curriculum hits the lower end of Bloom's taxonomy, so Bloom's taxonomy is a, a educational theoretical um, principle, that talks about levels of understanding. Uh, it starts off with simply remembering facts and being able to, rec- to recite them back to then being able to explain ideas and content and concepts, then being able to apply them in new situations and then being able to draw connections and analyze and beyond that to evaluate and finally to create a, a work. And so this curriculum really hits the absolute lowest level of Bloom's taxonomy. Uh, And like I said, it's just a smattering of facts. It's a shotgun of facts. Um, And I don't really think the people that put this together have any idea uh, about what's involved in a curriculum. Uh, It doesn't really prepare students for the real world. It's not inclusive. Um, and now, I don't think, oh, go ahead. So, so therefore, I don't think many students are going to find themselves in the curriculum. And so if the curriculum is set out aimed at students and aimed at making learning applicable to them so that they can take it and run uh, K through 12 and becoming and become positive contributors to society, this curriculum just does not have that. Now, there's a lot to digest what you've just said there, and we're, we're going to go uh, sort of uh, in a chronological order here. But I want to first start with yourself, because there's probably people who are going to listen to this or watch this and say, who is this Wade guy? Why should I care what he says? Because, OK, he says he's a teacher, but maybe he's he's a relatively new teacher to here in Alberta and he doesn't know and understand what Albertans need and want. But before our interview started, we did sort of a pre back and forth interview via social media messenger. And I learned that you come, uh, you started your career up in Tall Cree First Nations, which yes. if you've not been to Tall Cree, I highly recommend you go. It's a, it is a beautiful location. The one thing I will say is bring some CDs like uh, Wade just say, said, or fill your iPod up with music because you will lose all radio signal probably past Red Earth Creek, Red Earth Creek right up to Tall Creek. Um, what got you into teaching? Let's start uh, there. Okay, so why did I start teaching? Yeah. Okay. Interestingly enough. Okay. So I've told this story because students have asked me the same thing. And um, so I have a brother. Uh, his name is Scott and he's uh, four years uh, younger than myself. And so growing up, a lot of 
his firsts, I was a part of. So learning how to tie his shoes, learning how to tie his skates and skate and riding his bike. He was kind of like our crash test dummy, my buddies and my, myself. So he'd kind of, he'd, he'd hang along with us and he wanted to be with my friends. And so uh, I was there for a lot of his firsts. And I, I see photographs of me um, as a four-year-old. Um, I, I would jump in his crib when he was an infant and just got brought home from the hospital. And there I was, I just, I cherished the fact that I had a brother and uh, we were very close. And like I said, he, he was like, he was like my shadow. Okay. And so uh, I, I really like those light bulb moments, right? I, I really feel that it was valuable for me um, to be there for my brother's first. So those were, those were some cool moments. And then I was in, I was in grade nine and, uh, I, I started babysitting and, uh, this family in our neighborhood, uh, they had, they had a boy that was, uh, my brother's age. So four years younger than myself. And then they had, so that would have been, I think, grade five, and then they had uh, two other boys. Uh, one was in grade three, and I believe one was in grade one, and then they had a newborn. And unfortunately, uh, the husband was a lawyer, and he had taken some money that was invested to him uh, or given to him to hold, and he invested it and lost it. So he was charged with uh, breach of confidence. And so he was uh, placed into uh, custody and he wasn't in the home. He had to do some time. Uh, the woman, uh, the, the wife, uh, they're still married, wonderful couple. Uh, she was a teacher in Edmonton. And so uh, every Friday night or every second Friday night, she'd go out with her mom and some of her colleagues for just a night away, right? Because she's a mother of four. She's teaching full time. She's got a baby. And so she'd go out. And uh, I cherish the moments that I got to spend with those three young boys and the baby girl. And, um, but at the same time, you know, after making dinner, taking care of them and putting them to sleep, um, I really enjoyed when she got home because we would talk about her week at school. And so I kind of got to hear the highs and the lows of what it was like to be a teacher. And ultimately, it was in grade nine that I decided uh, that that was one of the choices for me uh, in my future. And the other one was radio, television, arts. And uh, so I went to the Nate Open House and I wanted to maybe be on radio or television somewhere behind the scenes. And I don't really have a face for the camera, but uh, somewhere behind the scenes. So uh, I, I, I talked about that with my parents and my dad said, no, 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 you're not going to do radio, television, arts. because You're going to end up in the middle of nowhere. You know, you don't get into Edmonton right away. You're going to be a teacher. And it was something that I was actually probably more passionate about. And so what was ironic is when I graduated from university uh, in the Klein era, as they had just consolidated school boards uh, or school divisions, sorry. And uh, I ended up teaching in the middle of nowhere. I ended up teaching in uh, Talkery, which is about uh, 35 kilometers outside of uh, Fort Vermillion. And so I really ended up in the middle of nowhere. And uh, actually, I'll be frank, um, I, I was a little nervous to teach there. Um, I had not a lot of knowledge of the First Nations uh, population, that, that people, the Indigenous people, wasn't a part of my curriculum growing up. Um, as a matter of fact, the first time I heard the words residential school was actually teaching 
on the reserve walking with a friend of mine. It was an adult that I played hockey and curled and softball and golf with. Um, so I felt really felt uh, ill-equipped and, you know, some of my friends that taught, I was envious. They got a job within the a public school district and there I was uh, relegated and I'll use the word relegated. I felt relegated to traveling 12 hours on a paved road. If you want, went the long way through peace river or uh, six hours through what you referenced to um, red earth Creek. And so just like you with CDs and, and, uh, and, uh, uh, cassettes and, and filling up your iPod. We did not have technology in um, that technology in 1990, uh, 1996. Um, uh, so my parents would tape uh, Seinfeld and friends on VHS for me while I was out of town. And about once a month, I'd come home, come home and I'd, I'd gather the, 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 the VHS tapes and bring them back up and put them in the VHS every night. That's how you entertain yourself. So um, that's the early part of my career. So that's and, your um, yeah. So it's interesting because your story sort of starts with the last rewrite of the curriculum as we have it as of right now. The 20, 2004 curriculum, you were there when the last curriculum was written and passed um, by the, I guess it would be the Klein government, correct? Well, I was there for three years. So I was there 95, 96, 96, 97, and 97, 98. And so I was actually teaching with the Edmonton Public School Board in 2005 uh, when the new curriculum came into place. I did teach the previous curriculum, though. Um, but really, I'm a grade five. Te- well, sorry, I'm a junior high teacher now. But I, I primarily taught a lot of grade five. And... Uh, fundamentally, the big difference is what I noticed in the grade five curriculum. Um, and I'll just use that as a particular key in here between prior to 2005 and 2005 is in grade five. We would have taught the uh, the regions, the non-political regions of Canada. Um, so the land regions, uh, we also taught the history of Canada. Um, and we and then there was one final unit that we taught, and that was uh, Canada's relationship with its builders. Um, and so that would have been Britain, France, uh, the United States and Canada, both past and present in terms of trade relationships. And so that final um, that final unit was removed uh, in 2005 and the other two were expanded. The reason I ask that is because I want to give some context here because you were there. I'm assuming you saw the curriculum consultations in uh, 2004, 2003, whenever they started them to get the get the approval. I want you to describe the similarities or the differences between the consultations at that time, because it was a conservative government who passed that yes. uh, consultation and yes. this consultation, because we have seen uh, the lack of or if any consultation with people, with uh, parents, with teachers during this draft curriculum sort of write, rewrite. But I want to know then in 2004, 2003 or whenever it started, was there consultation and was it at least a little bit more engaging than you are seeing right now? Oh, it was absolutely more engaging. (laughs) Um, there, There were so, you know, the internet being fresh and new, right? In in you know 2004, uh, in in schools and classrooms, uh, 
I don't believe there were any internet surveys at that time, but certainly parents were consulted. As a matter of fact, I was the social studies um, volunteer or appointee on uh, in two schools that I was a part of within my school district that met in big rooms to look at the um, broad brushstrokes of the curriculum. Um, so I went to a number of meetings and sat at round tables with other teachers and parents and uh, primarily teachers, though. And we were allowed to just kind of look at it and provide some feedback, just like the larger arching um, curricular outcomes. And uh, even at that time, there was discussion of more Indigenous content. Um, and the fact that the first school I taught it in, in, in my current school board, Edmonton Public, was an Indigenous school, and I was teaching in the OASIS program. So I was a member of the social studies consultation, or I was not a consultant, but I was a member of meetings at roundtables at that school. And then the school that I followed up on after that, I was also part of the social department. And so I, I too went to meetings. And so um, there was consultation with parents. There was consultation with teachers and the ATA um, in this particular um, curriculum draft. I can just jump back to the, and I don't want to call it the NDP curriculum draft because really it wasn't. Um, because it was an ongoing curriculum rewrite that started probably right after the last rewrite ended. It did. It did. Yeah. So the curriculum, um, they, they called it the rewrite. So we, we'll call this one the draft. Yeah. We're this, this, the, how should I say the controversy and, and we'll call the other one the rewrite because that's what it was. So the rewrite began under Ralph Klein. Okay. Um, and so uh, it continued. And so it started as a progressive conservative uh, government rewrite. And um, Dave Hancock had some major hands on it as the Minister of Learning. And in 2016, there were approximately 32,000 parents that provided feedback using a government created survey uh, with respect to their ideas on the draft. Um, there was also a memorandum agreement with the Alberta Teachers Association that you know, curriculum working groups that involve teachers and educational experts and community members would actually work together in the rewrite process. So this was like an all hands on deck situation. You had parents, you had teachers, you had curricular experts, you had field experts, and you had community members. In fact, I believe if I am correct, uh, just before uh, 16 and 15, um, the Progressive Conservative Party even reached out to um, oil and gas companies in Fort McMurray to see, you know, hey, what what do you what would you like to see? What kind of innovations do you need to see within your fields within within the field of O, o and G? Uh, does this curriculum in the science and maths and social studies and language arts does it give you what you need to be innovative and move forward in, in an industry? So, this curriculum, on the other hand wasn't. Uh, in fact, the memorandum uh, was terminated with the ATA. So uh, uh, teachers haven't really been involved. The ATA uh, was removed from the memorandum. Um, there were a, there's a small group of teachers that were asked to look at it and they were given two days. And uh, it was really rushed. As a matter of fact, there were tech issues. And so I believe the first half of the first day, they didn't even get a chance to do anything. And then they were 
divided into curricular areas based on their area of expertise. And I think it was more like a, hey, uh, let's consult with you and we'll, yeah, that's good. Yeah, we talked and, and we allowed you to look at it, but there wasn't any time for any changes. And so I really feel that the public, although the parents have had an opportunity to, to respond to the curriculum, um, and like I said, teachers have been removed, except for a very small group, that this has been really driven um, by Jason Kenny. I think he's the master puppeteer. I don't really think that Adriana LaGrange has much to do with it. I think that that, that this is his baby um, and that he doesn't want any interference. He's got an idea of where he wants to go with this without going uh, and having too many people's hands on it other than who he really, really wants touching it. Well, if you remember, for my listeners, if you can remember prior to Jason Kennedy, I think, becoming leader of the uh, United Conservative Party, he did an interview with the, uh, I'm not sure if at the time it was Rebel News, but he did an interview with Ezra Levant, where he was asked the question, uh, why aren't people, why aren't our children more conservative? And he pointed at the at that time, the rewrite of the ideal ideological uh, curriculum that the NDP were trying to pass. So Jason Kenney came into politics provincially with a kind of a mindset of how he wanted it to, uh, how he envisioned the education uh, portfolio under his premiership. Um, I want, I know there's a lot more moving parts in between 2004, 2005, when the last rewrite happened, and Jason Kenney becoming premier in 2019. But I just, I'm cautious of time, and I want to get into the nitty gritty part of this now. And that is 2019. Jason Kenney becomes premier of Alberta. And let's be honest, it's a whole new ballgame because Jason Kenney is a unique political entity in himself. He has his viewpoints and he is going to do what he wants because technically he is the premier. Um, he throws out the rewrite that the NDP were working on and he introduces his new draft curriculum. Yeah. As a teacher, and I want to start with this question first before, because I feel like this is going to be a loaded question for you. And you have a few, uh, quite a few things that you want to get off your uh, shoulders there. Yeah. When he came into power, did you expect to be here today talking about this type of draft curriculum? I had no idea what we were going to see. Okay. And, that, and, that, and that's the thing. He keeps his cards very close to himself. Um. I knew that it was going to be a vastly different curriculum than what we saw. And, you know, just to, just to allude and, and go back to that statement with regards to the Ezra Levant interview, um, that, that was a national progressive conservative convention. And it's a pretty loaded question. Why aren't more Canadians conservative sent like conservative? And the fact that he's saying that teachers are hardwiring their students with collectivist collectivist ideas that were uh, showing Michael Moore documentaries on a regular basis. And uh, this goes from elementary to secondary to post-secondary. He says that he has to figure out a way to break that nut. And so... 
I didn't know what we were going to see, but I knew it was going to be very different than anything we had seen. And he, he actually campaigned on uh, the NDP apparently trying to smuggle uh, their politics in the classroom through the curriculum. And that he, he quoted and he says, we're going to put it through the shredder. And so when he was elected, uh, that was his mandate to stop the NDP's ideological rewrite of the school curriculum. And he said he was actually going to consult with parents and experts to develop up a modern curriculum. Well, I can tell you consultation didn't happen. Uh, experts were excluded and the door was closed on them. And this curriculum is not modern. It's actually archaic to the point, like I said earlier, it's just facts. It's just memorization. And at the end of the day, um, he played on some dissatisfaction uh, with what was going on in math in the curriculum. So, and that was his. So I'm going yeah. to pose a question to you here. Yeah. Because I, I just, uh, this is, this is the part of the show where we're going to be going back and forth here a lot. Yeah. You, you say there was no consultations. The experts weren't uh, uh, consul. Uh, there was no consultations with experts. There weren't uh, consultations with the teachers. My, 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 my throwback question to you though, is is it that they weren't consulted with the people you wanted to consult with, or is it just the fact that they went with a more politically ideology uh, consultation route where they talk to people of their own political leanings in the consultation process? Because you do look at the list of people that they can, uh, that made up the draft curriculum rewrite. There, there are experts in there. They may not be your favorite people, but there are experts in there. So I just have to ask the question, is it, are you upset that they weren't consulting with the people that they were already consulting with? Or are you upset with the fact that they consulted with the wrong people? And I want to know that answer because you're on the show and I have to ask that question. Okay, that's fine. That's a fair question. Um, no, uh, an expert is an expert and their political leanings and their ideology um, should be irrelevant when you're building a curriculum. Okay, so uh, a curriculum is a composition of outcomes, knowledge, skills, and attitudes. And ultimately, and I'm speaking about social studies, but yeah. ultimately, um, I don't think that your political, ideolo- political ideology um, can interfere with facts. I, I think that a fact is a fact, that history is history. Um, I think that our curriculum, as I mentioned earlier, is absolutely fantastic. Um, the one that we're currently using dating back to 2005, um, that the content and the way it's structured is solid. It's uh, what we would call, it's called uh, expanding horizons. So it starts off with the person, the young person in, uh, in kindergarten, and it looks at them and their family, and it moves all the way through grade six to uh, looking at democracy and government, both you know ancient democracy and current democracy. So I don't think that leanings have anything to do with building a curriculum. So I have no problem with who he selected um, to write the curriculum with a few exceptions um, and their ideologies, because I I think there's some racist undertones. There's some whitewashing and there's some othering that happens in this curriculum. Um, but I don't think, I don't think <laughs> he made some promises, right? He had an independent panel 
that uh, looked at the curriculum that was the 2016 and and they had some uh, they had some recommendations and some findings and they said that that draft followed an architecture and design that it was developed in a collaborative approach with teachers and subject matter experts and system leaders um, it was also clear and appropriate for learners at different stages. Um, it was appropriate. There was appropriate attention, sorry, given to the development of literacy, knowledge, and skills. It reflected a plural and inclusive society, which is Alberta. It had um, it had touched on the truth and reconciliation calls with regards to First Nations, Métis, Inuit, and their experiences and ways of knowing all across the subjects. So the panel that he had studied it before the draft started and the people he brought in found that there was no issue with the 2016. In fact, they didn't find any NDP content or social engineering. And so what he's campaigning on is that there's NDP uh, content and that there's social engineering and that it's a tool for teachers to um, manipulate students and to bring out NDP voters in the next election or future elections when they can vote. But when they looked through it, the independent panel prior to the rewrite of and, and this draft, they found no issue with it. Um, they, they made a recommendation not to throw out the draft or dismiss any of the experts that had worked on it. And in fact, they said that they just need to carry on. Um, but that's- and just, just to be, just to be devil's advocate here, but isn't that his priority? Isn't that his, uh, his, he has the right to do that. He was just elected. He has the right sure. to say, okay, I, I don't like it anymore. You might think it's good, but I don't, I want to go to a complete rewrite. He sure does. But he handpicked a group of people to evaluate the curriculum and they were handpicked by him. And and so when they came back with this information, there's nothing wrong with this curriculum, Jason. We just need to carry forward. It needs some adjustments because ultimately this curriculum and, and, and this is where I want to go. Curriculum shouldn't be a conservative curriculum or a liberal curriculum or an NDP curriculum. Curriculum shouldn't be bipartisan they shouldn't be associated with a political party curriculums are about creating once again the best possible society uh, and the best possible person to contribute to society when they're done kindergarten through grade 12 that's what it's about it's not about ideologies um but you know like i don't walk in i i wouldn't be confident to sit on a panel with regards to medicine I wouldn't. That's that's not my that's not my area of expertise. I'm an educator. And so he some of the people that he brought in to write this curriculum have never taught. Um, Some of them are known, uh, known racists. And so he's brought his people in. And of course, they're going to um, they're going to line up with him. As a matter of fact, uh, I'll just go right now to Chris Champion. Chris Champion 
um, is the, uh, I believe, the editor in chief of the Dorchester Review. He's a longtime ally of Jason Kenney. In fact, he worked for Jason Kenney when Jason was an M- MP in Ottawa with the Conservative Party under Harper. And uh, so he wrote, writes the Dorchester Review. And just today, just today, um, I was glancing on social media and uh, So it's dated uh, January 19th, 2022. And uh, Chris Champion uh, quotes the Dorchester Review and he says they've still found no graves of the 215. uh, Sorry, they found no bodies. And when they did find the bodies, when that all all developed uh, last May, um, he had posts on his social media uh, with regards to the Dorchester, and he had a photograph of a bunch of boys sitting on a playground. He had a bunch of girls in uniforms, and he says, "See, look, they're smiling." Residential schools weren't such a bad place after all. And when you have that kind of person writing a curriculum in a heterogeneous society, I think that's poisonous. I haven't seen that article. Uh, I, I I will probably look it up right after we're done talking here. Um, yeah. But I want to. You are a social studies teacher. I am. Yeah. I want to look at the draft curriculum, and I want to ask this poignant question here. Sure. What in the curriculum? What specifically? What issues in the curriculum do you have in the social studies area? Because you you have said numerous times over and over again that uh, it doesn't prepare students for the real world. Well, the real world is always changing, and I want to know from you as a teacher, as someone who's educating these students who are going to be in the real world here soon, what in the curriculum do you see as the biggest issues in the social studies area? And then we'll talk about in general in a few minutes. Uh, Well, I think with respect to this new curriculum, um, it has, it's broken up into uh, areas of knowledge, understanding, and then skills and processes, very similar language, with respect to our current curriculum and our current curriculum, instead of knowledge, it's called knowledge and understandings. And instead of understanding, it's called values and attitudes and then skills and processes stay the same. So really ultimately it's broken up into the same pieces. Okay. So as a teacher, when I'm taking a look at this curriculum, the curriculum is supposed to be, it's supposed to give me a knowledge outcome that I'm supposed to teach. And then what it's supposed to do is it's supposed to tell me what the students will be able to do. Okay. And so I'm just going to, just going to look at one particular outcome and I'm going to look at the fathers of confederation. Okay. So the knowledge outcome in the new curriculum uh, says that there will be a debate. uh, Sorry, the debate over the real father of confederation. Okay. And then the outcome statement says three prominent North American politicians played key roles in the achievement of Canadian Confederation. Johnny MacDonald, Kingston, Canada West, George Antion Cartier, Montreal, Canada East, and George Brown, the Globe Paper, Toronto, and Canada West. Okay, so that's knowledge. And that seems very clear. Okay. Now, in comparison with the current curriculum in 2005, it says... This is what 2005 says. Students will assess critically the changes that occurred in Canada immediately following Confederation by following 
uh, sorry, by exploring and reflecting upon the following issues and questions. How did John A. Macdonald and George Etienne Cartier contribute as partners of confederation? Okay, so that's a higher order thinking skill. How did the circumstances surrounding confederation eventually lead to French and English becoming Canada's two official languages? So we're digging ever so deeper rather than saying, so who was the best? Okay, then when we look at the values or the understandings of the new curriculum, it says it is much debated whether McDonald, Cartier, Brown deserves the most credit as the quote unquote father of Confederation. Prominent Canadian politician cartoonist J.W. Bengo provided his personal views in a caricature drawing. And one of his political cartoons looked at who was the real father of Confederation. So now we're restricting. Okay, so we're restricting an educator, and that's pedagogical. Okay, you have to teach this. Yeah. Okay. Now, the new curriculum says this. Students will recognize the economic and political changes and how they impact the ways of life. They will recognize the effects of Confederation on citizenship and identity from multiple perspectives. They will also recognize the historical significance of French and English as the official languages. So we've now got higher order value skills. Students will recognize that even though the statement students will, Students will, both in the knowledge and understanding section, as well as the values and attitudes. So the old curriculum said students will do this. To my understanding, there's no students will in the new curriculum. It's more like teachers will. Teachers will do this. I am now being dictated that I have to look at prominent Canadian political cartoonist J.W. Bonneau. All right. And I, I just, I'll, I'll dig a little bit deeper. Yeah. Right? So that was the understanding. Ready? Now, the next one should be skills and attitudes. These are things that students should be able to do to demonstrate their understanding, to demonstrate the knowledge. It goes further by saying pr- prominent Canadian politician, cartoonist J.W. Bonneau provided his personal views in caricature drawings. Uh, that just seems like a rewrite. And one of his political cartoons looked at who was the real uh, father of Confederation. Okay, what am I going to do with this? So now I am once again being dictated to uh, basically tell my students, in order to get this outcome, I have to show you this political cartoon. By the way, there are no resources with this curriculum. It's up for teachers to find. Okay, so you're going to web surf. Now, in in the older curriculum... We have a number of different dimensions. You've got the dimension of thinking. You've got the political participation in democratic process. You've got research inquiry. You've got communication. And all of them have subcategories. And I'm not going to go through all the bullets that are attached to this particular outcome. I will do the the dimensions of thinking. Okay, just so that we can compare against yeah. the 2000, the 2000. Then I have a follow up question after you betcha. So 2005 says this students will develop critical skills, thinking skills and creative thinking. They will evaluate ideas, information on positions from multiple perspectives, reevaluate their own personal opinions to broaden their understanding of the topic. And then with regards to historical thinking, they will use historical and community resources to understand and organize the sequential 
national events that took place. They will explain the history and the context of key events of the given time, and they will organize information in such a way where they could use tools such as databases, spreadsheets, or some form of webbing. And finally, they will use this to demonstrate their geographical skills. They will consider multiple points of view, and they will be able to deal constructively with others if they disagree, and hopefully work towards collaborative uh, effort and achieve a common goal. So when I look at that, it is so incredibly broad and there's a lot to do. Okay. And this is from the social studies five and social studies five is a marathon of a curriculum. Okay. But it gives teacher choice and it's broad, but yet as a teacher, when I'm looking at my, and I'm creating my unit plan, what I'm doing is I'm planning and I'm like, okay, I can check that. I can check that. Now, all of these skills that I just mentioned in process and skills, those are for the whole year. So I might do my, my web in the first chapter. Check, done it. Oh, I might want to readdress it in chapter six in case a student struggled, just so I can see if they now get it because maybe they weren't ready in chapter one. So I can take them back to that in chapter six. Here, I want you to create a web using the series of events. What do you know about this event and demonstrate it in a web for me? So there's that multiple opportunity where instead in the new curriculum, I'm being dictated to do something in a certain way. And not all kids think. This. We pride ourselves on going beyond that 15 second soundbite by becoming a backer of the show. With a quick visit to patreon.com and searching cross-border interviews, you can help continue this show. For as little as $3 a month, your support can ensure we grow and bring new and exciting things to our growing listenership. Click the link in the show notes and back the show today. Same way. Okay. Now, I, I, I will agree with that. I will agree that not all kids think the same. Yeah. The, 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 my mindset right now is, okay, I understand where you're coming from right now. I'm yeah. looking at that as, okay, a child in your class today yes. is going to be taught something completely different in a different way than a child four high schools away from you. You are going to have five different teachers, five different classrooms, five different groups of kids. Each one of those kids are going to hopefully learn the exact same information, but they're going to learn it in a different way. And sometimes, and this is just me talking right now, not anyone else, but the, the ability to understand and learn one subject in one classroom and then get a completely different outcome in a different classroom is going to be different no matter where you go. I'm looking at what they've proposed. And yet again, I do not agree with it. I think it should be rewritten and I think it should be consulted. I'm looking at it and I'll go, okay, they've said, you have to teach this and this is how you have to teach it. And you can't divert from one stray to another. It's here's what we're giving you. This is what you have to teach. Take me through the process of being able to critically think for yourself as a teacher to teach your students in a different way than just saying you have to teach this X and only X, not X, Y, and Z, because that is my big concern is if X, Y, and Z is something to you, 
how do I know that X, Y, and Z is going to be the exact same thing for a teacher over in another high school? Okay. Does that make well, sense? It sure does. It because sure does. That be like you, as you were talking, I was like, okay, I, I understand where you're coming from, but take me through the, the issues of why that would be a bad thing. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So the thing about teaching is we're a profession and we're a collaborative profession. And so, for example, at, at the school that I currently teach at, um, there are eight classes per grade level, seven, eight, and nine. Okay. Now the advantage of having that number um, is that we're stronger in number and that if a child doesn't get a certain concept, then I'm apt to um, go talk to my colleagues. Hey, this isn't working. And it happens on a regular basis. I'm just not reaching this child. Okay. okay? But more than that, what I do with this, when we do, okay. So when we assess students, um, there's things that we're looking for. We're looking for product. Okay. We're looking for observation and conversation. So that is what we call uh, triangulation within assessment. Okay. So the product would be a quiz. It could be a test or it'd be a project. Okay. So something I can tangibly see and mark that conversation is the one that I'm having with the child when I'm asking questions orally. Okay. Whether it's hands up in class or whether I keep them back uh, for, for a few minutes just to gain clarification or that exit slip before they leave my room to go to the next teacher. Okay. And then there's the observation and that's where I am literally walking the room and listening to students talk or watching students do their work. So those are the ways in which I assess. Now, the one thing that I need you to know with regards to assessment tools as well with regards to product is that a good teacher, okay, will do what we call multiple assessments. So you're going to do some formatives first, which mean nothing towards, I'm going to use two words, formative and summative assessment. So formative is assessment is a check-in it doesn't the mark does not go towards the report card of the progress report it is simply just the breadcrumb along the trail and then summative means now i've got a summary of your knowledge and i can quantifiably say this is how much you know okay now when we look at summative projects choice is so important okay so for example um at the end of my grade seven year we're dealing with Louis Riel. We're doing the, dealing with the Chinese construction of the railway and a number other, of other controversial issues in Canadian history. And my students have a choice as to how they want to demonstrate this. Do they want to write in a paragraph? Do they want to do a political cartoon? Do they want to do a comic? Do they want to do a video and pretend they're a newscaster uh, reporting on the event? So, the thing about the curriculum that we currently have, it has a number of understandings and a good teacher, when they're summatively assessing a child, will provide more than one modality or opportunity for that child to demonstrate their learning. And it might even be having a conversation with a child. So with respect to, you know, your X, Y, and Z, um, you're right. So my classroom is not the same as uh, a classroom at another school uh, or another town. But teachers do provide opportunities for students to demonstrate learning in different ways, which, match, which, which meets that expectation that we are 
assessing in different ways. And when I look at an assessment in the new curriculum, it says you have to do it this way. Yeah. Okay. So everybody's doing the same, but what about the learner that's different that can't do it that way? Where the way I'm doing it is I'm giving multiple opportunities. The rubric is the same. You need to show me that you have this knowledge and I mark you against a a marking rubric. But I think if we pigeonhole teachers, we're also pigeonholing the students to show in one way. And, And not all learners demonstrate knowledge in the same way. Just like not all teachers should be demonstrating or uh, pedagogically approach uh, curricula in the same way either. What would you not agree that teachers should be teaching the same uh, same information? Because that's where I want to because I'm looking at it. I'm looking at the old curriculum and I'm looking at the new draft curriculum. So the new curriculum, as in like the 2004 curriculum, and it is very broad strokes. It's this is how we're going to teach our children. This is how we're going to do things. And it's the critical thinking. This is this is what you are going to teach in this new draft curriculum, whether you like it or not. This is the, it, and that's where I see the big two differences between the two curriculums as it's presented. It's, this is how, this is what we're going to teach compared to this is how we're going to teach. Exactly. Um, well, maybe not. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I think that the new curriculum says, this is what we're going to teach. And this is how we're going to teach. This is how you're going to teach it. Okay. Okay. It's very prescribed on the educator. I think that the old curriculum, and as a matter of fact, the curriculum that was being put into play um, that started after the old one was being written, uh, that was um, being put together by two particular governments, by the progressive conservatives and the NDP, they both did, they weren't dictatorial in terms of this is what you're going to teach. It's like, here's your outcome. They both have knowledge outcomes. All three of these curriculums have all knowledge outcomes. They also all have understanding outcomes. Okay. But it's the skills and attitudes outcome that this particular one misses. And it really pushes everybody down one path that it need not go. And so as a matter of fact, the, the new curriculum was going to be based on competencies. So the rewrite that was under two governments was going to be based on broad, 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 broad competencies that would allow teachers to do more um, multiple or cross-curricular uh, learning. So you'd have one broad outcome or, or idea or theme that you could use across all the curriculums and teachers would work together collegially. Um, or if you were in elementary, because this is a strictly a grade K through six and you had your one room, that would allow for grander learning and a greater understanding. Um, and so I really, I don't know if I've answered your question, but I really think that this curriculum that we have right now is too narrow in scope. It's too prescribed both to the teacher and the student. It doesn't allow for differences and nuances, both in pedagogical style as well as uh, learning style. And they all had, all three of them, but particularly the two we're speaking of right now, they both had knowledge outcomes. And I don't think there's a difference in the knowledge outcomes. I think they're there. I think some of the knowledge outcomes that the government has put into place is very American and once again, very whitewashed and non-inclusive. And um, I think not developed, right? Like there's some serious accusation that a lot of this curriculum was 
um, plagiarized. Plagiar- plagiarized. And they found uh, experts in, in Alberta, not me, but experts in Alberta found this curriculum. It's a free online American curriculum and it's verbatim copied in a variety of places. And, and so really um, when you're given years to develop a curriculum, like what was going to be in place and you substitute it with months, like three months, and how can people that aren't curriculum experts put together something in three months? They can't. So obviously you had to get it from somewhere. Now, I, I'm just cautious of time here because we're coming up at the Gower mark and I, we have a lot more to discuss <laughs> here. But I hope, you, I hope you have some time, uh, some more time yep, with me because, for sure. the, the, because we haven't even touched on the fact. And this is, this is where I'm going to probably get some heat from some people who my husband knows. But I'm going to ask the question anyway. Sure. You are, you are a teacher. Yes. Um, some might be looking at uh, you and saying, well, you're just a teacher. You're just anti-Kenny and no matter what you do or what you say is going to be anti-Kenny. Are all teachers saying the same thing in your circles? Are, is everyone that you're talking to in the teacher circle saying the exact same thing you're saying? Because, or are you just the vocal one? And that's, and I just, I don't want to be rude and I'm not trying to be rude at all. I just want to try and get to the understanding that this is not just a you issue. This is more of a, Alberta issue. Yeah. Um, well, I can tell you there are teachers that are conservative. They exist. They're oh, out there. I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Um, there are plenty of people in, in the public sector um, that are conservative voters. Um, so I really, you know, I've painted myself a little bit into a corner by calling it Jason Kenney's curriculum, but it is right. Like he's the master puppeteer. He doesn't even have a deputy premier. Right. Um, so this is def- definitely Jason Kenny's curriculum. Um, I don't. And from what I know, um, through a social media group that I'm a moderator on, uh, there are plenty of conservatives that hate this curriculum. So it's, it's not just teachers, it's parents no. as well. Yeah, it's parents, right? So we've uh, on on the. Do you mind if I plug the Facebook group? Let's do All it. Right. That's why All you're right. here. <laughs> awesome. So the Facebook group is uh, Albertans Reject Curriculum Draft, and it's on Facebook. Um, so I'm a moderator, and and that's how I really became involved with the curriculum was as a teacher and as an Albertan because I I, I want a better Alberta today than was tomorrow or the, sorry than was yesterday right i'm always looking for a better Albert. i want i want this generation that i'm teaching and generations that i will teach or children that i will teach to be a better alberta than than what we have today and um so back in um in march my family and i uh we went and rented a home you know, just outside of red deer and of course jason likes to drop and uh, Adriana likes to drop big news um, when people are let, you know, least expecting it. So teachers were off on spring break um, and they dropped the curriculum. And immediately uh, Twitter and social media just went viral over this. And I stayed up nights looking and um, I had this idea about launching a, a, a lawn sign campaign. And suddenly uh, I said, well, it worked for parks and it it worked for coal or it is working for coal. And so I kind of put some feelers out. We worked with SOS 
which is a, a advocacy group for students in Alberta, and they have a Facebook group too. So the two groups together kind of melded and we came up with a sign campaign. And we had um, people from a, a lot of signs were being sold in your major centers. So we've got Lethbridge and we've got a few in Fort McMurray and Grand Prairie, um, primarily Edmonton and Calgary, as well as Red Deer, and then a smattering in and around the province. So it's not really a teacher issue. It's it's an Albertan issue. People people have children and um, they now, want the best. They want the best for their children. You mentioned social media and anyone who's listened to my show knows that how much I despise social media as much as I use it. I despise yeah. it because it is an echo chamber. It is an echo chamber of people who have the same views. And if you want to follow people with the same views, you follow people with the same views. I, yeah, I, I haven't had the chance to go out and talk to every single parent in the province of Alberta. I don't think anyone has. And I think there's a lot of people who would want to say uh, social media is how you gauge what public uh, perception is on issues. Can we truly gauge how bad this curriculum in your words is are on what Twitter and Facebook says, or is it, Speaking to people like yourself, speaking to parents and actually asking these questions, why do you think it's bad? Yeah, no, it's it's not social media. I mean, <laughs> uh, you, you mentioned it. Social media, uh, you can pair up with people of, li- uh, of like mindedness, right? There's these algorithms that are sent to you. You are directly sent things that you search. And so then you continue to go down the rabbit hole, right? Yeah. Um, I think um, it's. It's talking to people. It's, 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 you know, having that conversation because a lot of Albertans are just not aware of what's going on in the curriculum. You know, Jason Kenny stood on the soapbox and he said that we were, that the curriculum and teachers were bombarding um, today's students in our schools with NDP socialist collectivist dogma. It's just not true. It's just not true. Um, we have a curriculum that we have to teach. We're mandated. It's law. You teach the curriculum. You teach the outcomes. You have a checklist that you have to go through um, throughout the year. And so social media, it's an avenue, but it's not the avenue. Uh, um, It's not the only way. We have to, it's programs like this. It's um, mainstream media to some extent. Um, but it's it's writing your politician. It's actually sitting down and looking at something like this, because Jason will tell you one thing and I'll tell you another and educational experts will tell you something and it becomes pretty darn confusing. And, and let's be honest, we're, we're living in a pandemic and people are just doing the best they can. They don't want to sit down and read a curriculum. So they trust that the government is doing what's best for kids. But this curriculum is not what's best for kids. And so it is those conversations. So before we move on, I just want to mention to my viewers and my listeners that the links to that Facebook page and to the sign campaign will be in the show notes below. So if you want to check it out, if you want to potentially get alongside, I highly recommend you scroll down or potentially go back. If you're listening to this, click on the links and it will take you to that sign location, but also that Facebook page as well. Um, 
I want to talk about the future now because we are we are. I, I was just told this this will be airing uh, in the first week, this first Friday of uh, February. Uh, I, I recently spoke to a political uh, pundit who said we are in the red zone of election season. Election 2023 is coming up. Yes. This proposed draft curriculum is piloted in less than 1%. I'm just reading the numbers here. 1% of Alberta teachers are piloting the new draft curriculum. Yeah. About 7,800 students will be involved, making up 2% of the Alberta school system. Yeah. That draft pilot, that pilot program ends this month. January. Sure does. January. They're, so as they're recorded, not, <laughs> not the whole year, just nope. half, the, half the year. That's it is right. Half, done. half the curriculum will be piloted. So the second half... Students won't see it. So it's going to be based on a yay or an A is going to be based on six months or sorry, five months of school, 13 so, weeks. So the question has to be asked, what if it's a yay? What happens in 2022, September, when potentially this new curriculum, that this new draft curriculum is passed and teachers now have to teach this new curriculum? Do you go ahead with it? Or is there other tools in an arsenal that you are looking at to potentially say, we can't, we cannot teach our kids this new, this new draft curriculum because it will not prepare them for the real world. So there's a few components that have been paused and uh, your listeners and viewers might've heard that Uh, the social studies has been paused. I believe the health curriculum has been paused uh, and the phys ed curriculum has been paused, but there are some subject areas that are going ahead come September. And the government has, I think they've heard that uh, the social curriculum is just damaging and it is just, just, just wrong. And so without admitting it, they just said, hey, listen, teachers, we're going to give you a break. And rather than having you and this is, uh, I'm, I'm going to just, uh, an aside here, rather than having you deliver all of the curricula in K through six, right? Uh, we're going to give you a break. We're going we're to only, you only have to pilot uh, the math and the language arts, not the science and the social this year. We're just going to give you a break. That was their spin. Okay. Now, um, just for, for your information, when curricula has been, um, how should I say, piloted or um, has been put into place, has been mandated, it's always been done on an every three year uh, throughout the K through 12 um, scope. So let's just say social or let's say math and language arts. They've said yes to math and language arts. So then next year, technically, according to what used to be done, is that grade one, grade four, grade seven and grade 10 would do that curricula next year. And then the following year would be two and five and eight and 11. And of course the remaining grades on the third year. So it would be a gradual process because textbooks are expensive because PD is expensive because we want to get it right. And one of the criticisms of also of this curriculum is that it was going to be mandated all subjects hands on board, K through 12, go. And by the way, there are no resources. So teachers, you have to make it up. 
figure it out. And that's just an immense amount of work that's unreasonable. And so the government took the, the they backstep a little bit and they said, well, no, 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 this is too much on teachers. Um, we are going to just pilot so much this, or sorry, we're going to implement, not pilot, implement so much next year. I think they really did. And I'm going to say it again. I think they did hear parents and I think they did hear, um, not the teachers, just the parents. I don't think they, they care about the teachers. So I think they heard the parents and they backed off. And now when you go on to their website, uh, you'll see the blueprint. So now what they've done is they've created a blueprint and they, we, we've heard you and we're going to make some changes. The blueprint isn't actually much different. Okay. So they haven't made that much of a change. Um, so is it going to be, are you, are you ultimately asking me, is this going to be a, 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 an issue in the election? Yes. Basically was going to be my follow-up question was if this does get, introduced which it does sound like it's going to because they do have a majority in the legislature and they can pass basically what they want um, yes unless there's massive public backlash which um to be honest and yet again as, as much as i don't like social media you have to prove it from time to time i did a brief look before we i came on and started chatting with you it doesn't seem like this issue has been on the forefront because COVID-19 has been on the yep. forefront. And sure that has. is my concern is we we're, 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 we're having this discussion, but are people listening and are people going to listen when it comes to the election or are we sort of going to be the wait and see. And then when September hits and when t- uh, kids are in school and they have this new curriculum, whether it be just uh, language skills and math, our parents going to perk up and say, wait, what happened to the old curriculum that we were just learned? We were just teaching last year. Now we have this new one. I need to talk to my MLA. I think it depends on, unfortunately, as a parent's political slant, as I said, yep. um, and, and, and the research that they've done. It comes right down to it. I think that supporters of the UCP and Jason Kenney are going to trust them. And they're going to say, yeah, Jason's going to do right by us. Um, he's obviously put together something really good. And you're right, people have been distracted by the pandemic and the situation going on, uh, health, uh, economy, uh, and so forth and so on. And I think this this could slide right in there. I think school divisions will take a harder stand. Okay, if it comes to the social studies, I think school divisions um, may not want to do the social studies curriculum if it was going to be in place. Um, I don't know by what means they can do that because really it's a government and it's Alberta education and it's, it's curriculum, it's legal, it's, it's mandated. Um, Does it make your job harder next year? Well, because social's not happening. But, um, it, but not even that, because while social's not happening, you are now basically teaching two curriculums in the same school system, <laughs> because yes, in you your are. own school, you are yeah. teaching one way of teaching in one class. And then if they go to use social studies with you, it's going to be a completely different way of teaching. And it's going to, uh, for me, uh, if anyone knows me, you know that I'm a very, I have to have a linear conversation with somebody. And if I'm getting taught two different ways by two different teachers, it's going to screw with my mind so badly. Yes. So I can imagine yeah. kids are going to be uh, upset or not upset, but have some difficulties learning the two curriculums. Well, they're vulnerable, right? Mm. Depends on their developmental level. So they're certainly vulnerable. Um, yeah. I just, 
I don't think it's going to it should be an election issue. Yep. But this this is something that can be buried. Right. Like will will the, uh, the the strip mining on the eastern slope of the Rocky Mountains still be an issue? Um, will the sale of parks still be an issue? Will Casey Madu still be an issue? Um, you know, like there are so many issues with this government. I was I was talking uh, with a colleague the other day. We were actually today we were talking about the Casey Madu situation. And I said, you know, you look at you look at Alison Redford and Alison Redford took a couple private jets to Jasper with her daughter and her daughter's friend. And she was secretly constructing um, the Sky uh, Palace, the Sky Palace. Thank you for helping me there. Uh, the Sky Palace. And she walked down the stairs and her party didn't support her. And we recently had a UCP convention and everything that's happened you know, pre-pandemic into the pandemic, you know, uh, the second Sky Palace incident with budget scotch and, um, you know, and people taking vacations when they shouldn't and and comments about bat soup in Wuhan by our premier. But all of these somehow get swept away because of the pandemic. And I think that he could easily uh, sweep this away. I mean, he couldn't sweep away uh, his racist uh, Paul Bunner, I believe, was his racist speech writer. But he's all got an equally racist individual that's leading up the social studies curriculum that the emails in a FOIP request went right from Jason, Ken, uh, from from Chris Champion to Jason Kenny didn't even hit Adriana LaGrange's desk. So there's a lot of controversies about this curriculum, but there's a lot of controversies in the province. It just seems like we're rubbernecking from controversy to controversy. So should it be an issue? 100% it should. Will it? It will in the major centers. This will be something that when people, people go door knocking in Edmonton and Calgary and Red Deer, that, you know what, they go to a family that has a child in K-6 to and these people are aware of the curriculum and what's, what's possibly impending upon them. It might be a, a, you know, a doorway conversation. And the more people talk and the more they're aware of what's going on and like what I'm doing right now, trying to make people aware of this, the more this becomes an election issue, which it should be, because curriculums aren't just they're just not a fleeting moment in time. This curriculum has the has the potential to be a decade or or a decade and more old. And what kind of damage are we going to do the province if this curriculum is put into play? And we've got 10 or more years where students are learning this absolute horrific dumpster fire of a curriculum. And so it should be an issue. Will it be an issue if it gets enough publicity, if the Alberta party talks about it, if Rachel Notley pins Jason in a corner and talks about it? This, whether this is an election issue or not, depends on the other parties when they approach the election and their platform. And this should be an issue. Because there's factual data that points to political interference, that points to inappropriateness, that points to the fact that this curriculum, the independent panel that was selected, thought there was nothing wrong with the 16 curriculum. And then the people that that had to review it got two days. There's a lot of evidence. But how do you put that on a billboard? How, do, how, how does that happen? This is up to the leaders of the opposition parties to make this an issue when the election, when the writ drops and the election's called. 
it, it, it's everyday citizens, but I place a lot of value on the opposition parties, uh, minor parties and major parties. They've got to make this an issue. And you've got to, to ask that question to the Conservative Party when they come to your door, if they come to your door as well. What do you know about the curriculum? Because I don't think a lot of them do. You know, the two Jasons, uh, Nixon and Kenny, were the only ones that really knew about the sale of the parks. That was a FOIA request too. Other MLAs, when asked by their constituents, had no idea about the sale of, of parks in Alberta. So you got to hammer your MLAs right now. And Edmonton, unfortunately, only has one uh, MLA and he's no longer in, in cabinet or he's been, uh, how shall I say, uh, suspended from cabinet. Yeah. So it, it's up to us to contact Rachel, to contact the Alberta party, to contact your MLA and to contact the minister of education and Jason Kenny. And I have, when I found out Chris Champion was leading this social studies curriculum, I immediately phoned her and my daughter was in the backseat of my car and I was on speakerphone. And at the end she said, daddy, what did you do? And I told her, and they promised me I'd hear back from her. I knew I wasn't going to, but Albertans are getting these standard letters in response from Adriana and Jason. They're not listening. So we've got to make them listen. And it's up to us and it's up to the political parties running in this election to make this an issue. I think there is a silver lining in this. Oh. Um, we just went through a municipal election. Yes. I'm not sure what happened in the Edmonton school board. I say school board because we're no longer Edmonton public school board because we had to drop the public version of that. Um, yeah, we're not public. No, because that's the, that's the choice in education bill, right? Yeah. Yeah. We in Calgary, we have, I think seven out of the seven uh, new uh, trustees, school board trustees are all on record saying that they oppose the current curriculum. Uh, I'm assuming the same up in Edmonton. Yes. We need these people to start talking as well. Yes. Uh, they need to start doing some media interviews and start having this conversation because they were, I had, I interviewed a few of them during the municipal election who were elected and they all said that they think it's just a bad curriculum as it is proposed and they would not want it to be, uh, uh, to go ahead in the school system. So yeah. yes, write your uh, opposition, write your MLAs, but also talk to your school board trustees because these are the people who are dealing with the government as well from a school board's perspective. Chris, thanks for the catch. I forgot about them. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about my employer. Um, yeah, absolutely. And in Edmonton, every single trustee uh, opposes uh, opposes the, uh, the curriculum draft. Um, there have been actually Edmonton separate had an amazing evaluation of the draft. Do you know where the 2% are? Where, where, where are these schools? Because I, I'm trying to figure that out. And like, I, I think I know one, I think it's up in the crease, but I'm not hundred percent sure. You are correct. Uh, Fort Vermillion <laughs> yeah. school division did. <laughs> they, they did say yes to it, but of the school divisions that chose to pilot this year uh, from you know, through to January, from November through January, that 13 week phase, nobody took social, not a single one, because they know it's damaging. They know it's harmful. They know it's plagiarized. What does a child, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to pose this question to you now. Uh -oh. <laughs> so do you think, do you think teaching children about the residential school system is scary? No. 
Okay, I don't think so either. My children had an opportunity. I took them and my wife and I to the Edmonton Public Library and we watched um, the author of The Orange Shirt read the book and, it, and we have a signed copy. Okay, my children need to know about the residential school system because they are of age they could have gone, right? So, but if that's scary and this government says it's scary, why in grade two does my child, or I don't have a child in grade two, but what does a child in grade two need to know about the Silk Road and, and the conqueror Genghis Khan? I think that's scary. Yeah. Right? So I think that, the, you know, there were some really, there are some really amazing um, studies and some tear parts of this curriculum. Dr. Carla Peck is fantastic. She has, her blog is amazing. And she has done a deep, deep, deep dive into this curriculum. Edmonton separate did a deep dive. A number of different school divisions around Alberta have done a deep dive into this curriculum draft and they refused to pilot it. Now they allowed social, sorry, they allowed math and science and, and, and language arts, but not one of them did allow their teachers uh, to pilot the social studies. So yeah, I think um, actually I had a really good debate with a gentleman that was running for school board trustee in, in my area. And uh, we, he, he's a, he thinks that critical race theory is a, pretty interesting topic and he and i have different uh, opinions on racism and and so he didn't get my vote i i he came to my door he left a pamphlet okay i want to i want to know about you i'm going to call you i want to talk to you i want to email you so he had a he had a method of communication and he and i went back and forth and then he deep dove into uh, critical race theory and i'm like you lost my vote because he supported this curriculum he had no problem with it he thought it was great and so I asked him some key questions about it. He couldn't answer them. So I, I questioned whether he read it. He's like, well, I kind of skimmed through it. Well, no, no, no. A moment ago, you told me you read it. So which one was it? So, so I think the people that support this curriculum haven't read through it with a critical, critical lens. I, I just want to mention something for anyone who's watching this and listening to this right now. Um, I should have been upfront about this. I did not go through the Alberta school board system. I'm from Ontario. I went through the Ontario school board system. Um, when the residential school, and then this is just a side note for anyone listening, when the residential school's discovery of 215 unmarked graves in Kamloops, BC happened, the amount of people who I heard from in the province of Alberta who said, I did not know about the residential school systems and what they were doing shocked me. Um, because in Ontario, I learned about it, and I learned about it in grade 10. I, I went through history in all grade 10, 11, 12 uh, as my uh, uh, choice for curricular act, uh, school, uh, school uh, courses, but I learned about it, and I, I was shocked that it wasn't taught out here in the way that I learned about it, and I just, I, I hope, if anything, if anything comes out of the school curriculum review, we put that in because it is a tarnished scar on our society and we yeah. need to teach it so it doesn't happen again there's my two cents on that sorry well i, I can i can tell you uh it is addressed in grade five social 
And I address it in grade seven social studies as well. That's, as I said, like at the end of the school year, that's one of them that I look at also. Like, so residential school system, internment of Japanese Canadians yeah. during World War II, construction of the railway. So it is in our curriculum. And um, I have a particular passion for Indigenous um, history. And it stems from my time in Talkery. My eyes were my eyes were wide open. Um, I still remember hearing those words. I was talking to a parent who I call a friend today. Uh, it was a friend then who befriended me and, and helped me adjust to life on the reserve, teaching and living there. And we talked about how do I get more students in my classroom? Um, I taught there for three years. And a lot of teachers will teach on a reserve for two. Uh, they'll get their permanent teaching certificate because they put their hours in and they'll find someplace else. And I had goals when I started there. One of the goals was to, number one, uh, uh, to hone my craft. And number two, to develop relationships with the community. And number three, to achieve 85% uh, attendance. And because uh, attendance on an indigenous, indigenous or a First Nations reserve, it's it's fleeting. Um, it's inconsistent. And so I, I, I asked him, I said, so what do I need to do? Like, how can I how can I achieve this? And he says, what do they What do the students call you, teacher? So you're you're not Mr. Hutchinson. I said, no, I'm, I'm teacher. He says, so I will tell you this. Mr. Hutchinson comes with respect. He says, at any other school, you'll be Mr. Hutchinson. And until the students know you and trust you and respect you, and he says, not that they don't respect you, but a deep, deep respect, you will be teacher. When they do, you'll be Mr. Hutchinson. And he said, and this goes back beyond me. You're teaching my son. This goes beyond me. This goes to my parents. He says, because if I didn't go to school, my parents got in trouble. And I said, pardon me, of course they got in trouble. Like if a student doesn't arrive in school today, I'm going to possibly contact their parents. He says, no, 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 no. My parents could have been fined or jailed. I said, what? He's like, yeah, I attended a residential school. And then this is probably the most stupid I've ever looked in my life at another human being. Um, I, I said, what, what's a residential school? So I went K through 12 in Alberta. I went through university. I took education courses and I, I specialized in social studies. I took four history courses, 250 uh, pre, uh, contact to confed and then 251 confed to presence and then 276, which was uh, uh, confed to, to World War One and then 277, which was World War uh, One to present. And just in a, in a different lens, both of those, those two series were in different lenses. Not once was that ever mentioned. I never heard the term residential school. And so my students know that term. And I always tell them, I don't want you to feel guilty about the conversations we're having. So I'm going to mention Canadians and settlers. I'm going to use those words because in grade seven, we look at First Nations, Métis, Inuit, French and English and their perspectives on various different events. Um, so like this week, we're doing the Royal Proclamation. Okay. And it sets out what they call the proclamation line and it assigns Indian territory. And so we all 
one of the one of the questions I'm asking them, what was the purpose of it? Why did the British create the Royal Proclamation? Why did they create that for the French? What was involved? Why? What was their purpose? And what was the purpose for the First Nations? So it's all about perspective. And uh, I just I tell my students, don't be don't feel guilty. You know, I'm just making you aware because I, I don't want it to ever repeat. We pride ourselves on going beyond that 15-second soundbite by becoming a backer of the show. With a quick visit to Patreon.com and searching cross-border interviews, you can help continue this show. For as little as $3 a month, your support can ensure we grow and bring new and exciting things to our growing listenership. Click the link in the show notes and back the show today. That and I, I want people to be critical thinkers as well. This this is why this is why we teach things. Um, sure. I'm just looking at the time. We've been talking for an hour and a half, and I have two last questions for you. And Great. it's not a, not not a question, more of a what would you say? Okay. If you were in the room right now with Jason Kenny, actually, let's start with the Minister of Education, Ariana Lagrange. I forget. Okay. I, what would you say to her right now about this curriculum? What would you want her to know from a teacher's perspective? Because you you said the uh, consultations hasn't been happening, so. From someone who's on the sort of the street level here talk, teaching our kids, what would you want the Minister of Education for the province of Alberta to know right now? I would say, have you listened to Albertans? What have you heard? What information have you received by phone call, voicemail, letter, email? What have you heard from Albertans? What have they said? And can you provide me with some evidence? Um, how is this curriculum going to advance today's youth and make them workers that moves Alberta forward? So what is this curriculum going to do? How is it going to hit the top of of Bloom's taxonomy. So what are, what are we going to do with the top of Bloom's taxonomy? Because right now it's just a smattering of facts. Okay. And uh, we look at employability skills. Okay. So what is, how is this going to help Alberta? Um, does this crypt, does this curriculum um, allow students to analyze and synthesize? Does it allow them to collaborate? Does it, um, does it encourage communication or is it just simply remembering? Um, does it provide empathy? Because if we don't teach about the residential school system or not in de- enough depth, how can we develop empathy? If it's missing the Métis voice, because the Métis weren't consulted, uh, the Francophone, because by the way, a Francophone curriculum is just not a curriculum that's been um, transposed or uh, Google Translate it. Google Translate it <laughs> into French. It's a different perspective. They're different. They're they're a different yeah. culture, and and so do do we have empathy? Are we building empathy? Are we building building entrepreneurial spirit? Are we building resilience, um, self awareness? Are we encouraging diversity and social diversity? And and because this curriculum focuses very heavily on the Christian faith, and it others other faiths. 
right? It says that, you know, there's, there's a, an outcome that talks about, you know, that Alberta is a Christian province, but others have made contributions. So does this give Alberta students the employability skills to make us a province of choice for companies to come and invest here and for workers to work in those companies? Okay, so have you listened to Albertans? What is this curriculum trying to accomplish? How is it going to accomplish it? Um, and why weren't the people that are on the front lines that have the expertise in education and curriculum development and know about child development, why were they shut out? Why were teachers not involved? We're the ones that are gonna teach it. We're the ones that know we're the experts in curriculum. Why were we shut out? Now, on the flip side, go down the halls in the legislature of uh, Alberta in Edmonton there and actually go up a floor and across the hall to Jason Kenney's office. And what would you say to him? Because you, you, you've, you've I, I don't want to say accused, but you, you have made mention that you believe that this is Jason Kenney's curriculum. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say to him about what you are seeing and hearing and what would you want him to know right now if he's listening? Jason, I take this as a personal attack on my education. I went to, uh, I went to school for four years and I studied curriculum. I studied pedagogy. I studied child development. I studied history. I'm a proud Canadian. I teach social studies. I think I have a grasp of what our students need to know. What was wrong with the previous curriculum? Can you please pinpoint the social engineering in the previous curriculum and the NDP outcomes. Please, I'd like to see them. Next, I'd say, and he'd probably bumble, haha, quote unquote. Uh, He'd probably bumble his and fumble his way through it and probably not be able to address it. And then I'd say, how is your curriculum? And it is yours because don't think that there's a lot of communication between um, the people that were writing this curriculum and Adriana. How is your curriculum better? You tell me how this makes Albertans studying military history, studying Genghis Khan uh, and the Silk Road. Um, how does that make us a better population? Because really it's archaic. It's very, it's very, um, return to 20 years ago and if we want to move ahead as a province and we want to be a province that you you tell me albertans want to move to why would anybody want to move to alberta with a curriculum like this where their children are going to be exposed to uh, whitewashed and racist context why would an immigrant move here if they won't find themselves in the curriculum We have covered a lot in the last almost hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes. Yes. We, we have probably scratched the surface of what this curriculum will do, does, and says. How can people reach out, talk to you, learn a little bit more about this? We do have that Facebook page in the show notes if they want to uh, go to that Facebook page, because I'm assuming there's people, there's conversations going on uh, all the time. Yeah. What, 
what other resources are out there for parents to learn? Because we can inundate them with all the information we could potentially give them. But at the end of the day, it's up to them to make the sort of critical decision here, quote unquote, to learn about this themselves. So how can people learn more about this curriculum and the draft proposal that has been put in front of the people of Alberta? Yeah, you know, um, there are, um, well, number one, I've mentioned already, Carla Peck. Uh, she's a curriculum expert at the University of Alberta. Um, and she has uh, quite, <laughs> quite a, a depth and breadth of knowledge on this. Um, her blog is written in very, I think, parent-friendly um, context and vocabulary. Um, I would go to the curricular, um, assessment that's been done by a number of the school boards. So they could certainly look at the Edmonton separate school board or Edmonton Catholic school board. Um, and I think that I'm trying to remember, um, there is uh, a young woman, she, uh, did a historical, uh, perspective on this particular curriculum and she is a mental health expert and i'm just just have to look her up because i forget her name I, i'm so sorry hey no worries even if you can't find it we can uh we can link it in the on the websites uh well, on the website's episode page so that way people who want to they can go to the website and they can click on the link and find it yeah. a little bit more if you don't have it off she phone. has uh she has five episodes and her name is Dr. Angela Grace. Dr. Angela Doctor, Grace. Dr. Angela Grace. She's absolutely fabulous. She's got five episodes on YouTube that break down the curriculum historically. Um, and it is all source-based. So she has everything cited as to where she found her material. So Dr. Angela Grace is quite good. Once again, Dr. Carla Peck is, is phenomenal and a curriculum uh, writer and expert. She was actually in on, both of these people were in on the curriculum rewrite. They were involved in their fields and so have quite, um, quite an intimate understanding of what was being done. Uh, and then once again, I would just... Uh, I would just search and try to find various school boards that have done analysis of the curriculum because it's, it's teacher talk, it's teacher speak. Right. And, and so that can be difficult to make its way through, but I think everybody needs to be informed. I agree. Um, for my listeners and my viewers, this is going to be something I, I've never done before, but I'm going to sort of uh, direct you to our website, crossborderinterviews.ca, where we will link uh, Dr. Angela Grace's uh, YouTube channel, but also Dr. Carla Peck her information as well. And we will try and find uh, myself. I will try and go out and find uh, the Edmonton separate school boards uh, uh, curriculum review. And then also, I think you said Catholic school board as well. 
Uh, it's the same one. So the oh. separate board is is the Catholic board. Yeah. Okay, I apologize. And I will see if there's any others uh, open source information out there from a school board system. And they will be on the website. So search episode 323 of the Crossboard Interview Podcast. There you will find all the information. Scroll down. All the resources will be there. And like uh, Wade said and I said, let's make this an uh, let's make this an election issue. This we are in the red zone of the election period and the election has to be called by May of 2023. This pilot program is done at the end of January. This is airing in February. So we are probably weeks, if not months away from the approval of this draft curriculum. So get out get engaged and get informed. I'm going to keep on saying that until the next election, but learn because you have to make the best decision for yourself, but this time your kids as well. Wade, do you have anything else to add before we wrap up here? Not really. I, uh, we could talk forever. (laughs) I'm pretty verbose there. There's a lot. That's the one thing that I'll tell you. That's the one thing that my in-laws, the first time I met them when I was dating my wife is that, guy isn't afraid to talk so no which i I love but maybe even closer to the election period maybe come july or september when we're about to head back to school we might have you back on to talk about how teachers are feeling but also you're at i'm assuming by that time we will have a decision on the math and language skills uh, curriculum portion of this draft curriculum and we might have to have a follow-up conversation you you would think that it's ever evolving, but it seems like it's a pretty stagnant line in the ground with this government. We're going to do it, but I would certainly be willing to come back. I, I'd, I'd, I'd be honored to come back. Actually, Hey, we would love to have you on because it seems like uh, we are getting some traction across Alberta, but also across Canada. So maybe make some Canadians realize that this is happening because you have to remember, and this is, I think we didn't even touch on this part. Northwest Territories has done our curriculum for the longest time. And this new draft curricula curriculum has Northwest Territories education system going, well, we're back in a way and we're going to go to BC because this is just a little too far fetched for us. Chris, I need to talk about the political spin with response to that. I'm sorry. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. We got 10 minutes. Let's do it. Okay. So the political spin when that came out and that was, that was bubbling for a while. Right. So um, there was at one time in social studies, it's called the Western Canadian protocol. Okay. And it was a bunch of Western provinces, including the Northwest territories and the Yukon that were involved in this curriculum and they liked our curriculum. So when this particular territory opted out and decided to take British Columbia's curriculum, our premier said it's because our standardized tests, according to PISA, have fallen. And it's the poor results on international standardized tests that has caused this particular territory to say, Alberta, I think we can do better with BC. In reality, Chris, our standardized tests haven't fallen. And if Alberta was its own country, we would sit in the top five globally. So, but not a lot of parents know that, or they believe whatever comes out of Jason Kenney's mouth, right? Like 
guy could guy could sell anything. He's a, he's a salesman and, and he says it with confidence and he says it again and again and again. And he ultimately convinces people that don't know anything, they need to follow him. And as I said before, not on this podcast, but to family and friends, Jason Kenny did such a good job in 2016 that, you know, you could have painted a rock blue in rural Alberta and people would have voted for it because he was just the master salesman and he sold this one too. No, they didn't leave our curriculum because our results were poor. They left our curriculum because it was racist. It was inappropriate and it was harmful to kids. I couldn't have said it better myself. I, I knew a little bit of a backstory. I didn't know as much in depth as you did, but uh, I knew that there was political spin when that happened because it's like that this decision does not randomly come out of nowhere. It does. It's not just like one day Northwest Territories Education Minister said, you know what? We just need to go to BC. It, it had, like you said, it's been bubbling for some time now. And then when that, because it happened, I think if I'm not mistaken, and you might be able to correct me on this, it happened probably probably like a month after the draft proposal was introduced and said, this is what, because as you said, the draft proposal was sort of dropped on a Friday afternoon, late night tweet as they usually do on important news like this. And then in about a few months later, uh, the premier of the Northwest territories and the education minister said, no, we're going to move to a new curriculum because we just don't want anything near that. Um, Yeah. It was actually about a month ago. Was it? Yeah. Oh, no, I thought it was like way back. This um, again, my mind has not been the best since surgery. So maybe I am getting my dates and numbers crossed, but I do remember it was a it was a it was an interesting move when I went, whoa, this doesn't seem like a very uh Friday afternoon decision that they just made by themselves on a whim. No, I just December 16th. December 16th, Northwest Territories drops the K to 12 curriculum after 40 years of use. There you the go. government. Of the, yeah. The government of the Northwest Territories is transitioning from K to 12 curriculum using the British Columbia curriculum, uh, ending decades of the Alberta curricula. Okay. So just before, just before the end of the year here, but it did. And you are correct though, because it did start to bubble after the the drop of the curriculum yeah oh and i've just lost your video oh that's bizarre hang on never never had that happen before <laughs> let's try this there we go there we I, go so i i agree it, it it this this doesn't seem like it was a one-off story where they just did it on a friday afternoon it's no. been bubbling for a while um I want to say this before we do go, we will have you back on. I will promise you that because I enjoy, I have enjoyed our conversation and I feel like we could do another hour and a half in a probably about a few months time, but another section of this, um, Wade, I want to thank you for everything you do. Whether uh, I agree completely or don't agree, I I think that what you do is a service as a teacher, but also as an advocate for what you want and what your students need. And I appreciate everything you've done and even coming on the show and reaching out to have this conversation because we need to have conversations like this because, like I said, we need to make this an election issue. I believe it needs to be an election issue. So I want to thank you so much for this. Uh, Hey, I want to thank you. I, I enjoyed the tete-a-tete. Uh, it's, it's always nice when somebody challenges me to provide evidence. Yeah. 
uh, factually based evidence uh, for my opinion, because my opinion is just that it's mine. Right. And I don't speak for everybody. So I appreciate the Ted Ted. I love being challenged. And I hope that I was able to answer those questions. You Um, were. And I appreciate that because I've always prided myself. Like I try not to dumb down the conversation, but I also try to be the opposition in the conversation because I want my yeah, my listeners to make the educated guess for them, the educated uh, thought for themselves on how they want to view this issue. So I, I just want to give context where context is and say, well, you yep. believe this? Why? Tell me why, because I want my listeners because they're going to be asking the exact same questions. Listen to this. So I'm trying to be the listener. That's why I try not to do a lot of research before this and try to just come in with an open mind. Yeah, it's, it's just to me, that's that's good journalism. Oh, thanks. And yeah. it's good critical thinking from time to time. Wow, we've 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 used that word a lot. <laughs> critical thinking skills are important. Oh, I guess they are. Um, <laughs> for everyone here at the Crossboard Interview Podcast, you know what I'm about to interview as with Cross Chris Brown. I, I rebranded in the new year. I have to continue to remind myself that. But I want to remind everyone who's listening and watching this: uh, the links to the Facebook page, to the website, to the information, or to the Facebook page of the website are in the show notes below. If you want information, uh, more information from uh, Dr. Angela Grace and Dr. Carla Peck, please visit the crossborderinterviews.ca. The link to the show will be in the show notes. So into the episode page. So visit that. You'll get a lot more information that I can find. Hopefully I'll be able to bounce some uh, links off of uh, Wade here. So that way he can say yes or no, if that's what I'm, because there might be a few Dr. Angela Graces out there. You never know. So I just want to make sure I'm uh, quoting the correct information. But Wade, I want to thank you so much for everyone here at the Crossborder Interviews with Chris Brown. Have yourself an excellent day. Remember, keep talking, guys. Um, I, I apologize, everyone, for doing kind of like a Marvel Cinematic Universe end credits addition to the show after spending an hour with us. But uh, after recording our interview with Wade, uh, the provincial government decided not to wait for our episode to air to release some new information. So they released some new information and I wanted to get Wade's reaction on it, but also help me understand it a little bit. And it's around uh, Alberta school councils. Now, Wade, talk me through this like I'm a two-year-old because I'm trying to make heads and tails over this whole issue right now, and I can't seem to make heads and tails over it. Okay, Chris, I'll I'll do my very best. (laughs) Thank you. I'll do my very best. Um, My knowledge of uh, parent councils or school councils, as they're called, uh, according to the government, the Alberta School Councils Association, sorry, uh, my understanding uh, that according to uh, the Education Act, that and the government of Alberta, that all schools must have a school council and uh, parents play, um, as the government says on their website, an important role in student success. Uh, School councils allow parents to participate in decisions that impact their children's learning within the school. Um, Parents can actively participate um, and contribute to the success of a school. That's what the government would like to do um, or has been doing for years. And uh, 
It's, it's done through a number of ways. Uh, they contribute, the parents do their knowledge, their perspective, their ideas on uh, events taking place in the school or uh, trends and shifts in education or new uh, new bills and laws that are passed by the government that has to do with education. Um, it's not limited to, but there are things that uh, parent councils do. And my wife sits on the parent council at my daughter's school. Um, so things that they do is, is they do surveys. Uh, they survey, um, they take surveys that are given by the government, also by uh, your school board uh, on satisfaction surveys, typically. Um, they serve as focus groups. Um, they can then, how should I say, break out into committees, uh, develop project teams, and they can be part of volunteer initiatives. Now, the one thing about uh, parent councils is that um, the, the money that there, there's no money raised. Okay, this is not a money raising activity. Most schools have two councils that parents sit on. They have a fundraising committee. And then they have a parent council and they are very, very, very separate and um, they have different names and they have different answer uh, people they have to answer to. Uh, so parent engagement uh, is extremely important. And the government has recently uh, made some major shifts with regards to parent engagement Um I'll say it once and I'll probably come back to it again. Um, the parent, parents in Alberta have a voice. They've had a voice for a long time. And, and recently they've exercised that voice. Um, parents haven't been too happy uh, with uh, certain aspects uh, of education in Alberta in the last number of years. For example, um, March of 19, there were a number of layoffs within schools in Alberta. Um, so you had office staff, you had special education, EAs, because I believe as the premier and the minister of education uh, felt that this money wasn't being used wisely and these people were going to be doing nothing in, in the classroom. However, uh, that's completely disconnected and incorrect because those those wonderful humans that support us teachers uh, could have one-on-one -on -one Google Meets with students and they can have one-on-one -on -one meet Google Meets with parents to facilitate that online transition. So there were a number of layoffs and parents were very vocal and parent councils were very vocal. Um, coming back to what we talked about in the first part of this episode, the curriculum draft, parents have been extremely vocal. Um, and that was actually an avenue that um, our Facebook group um, said that they could write letters to is they could write it to their parent council as well, because parent council has a voice. Um, the third thing that parents have been displeased and have expressed in parent council has been the COVID response that's happened in the schools, uh, the masking or the mask supplies. And of course, the, the scandal about Adriana LaGrange and a close friend of hers uh, supplying masks the first round. And of course, the, the medical the medical masks that were supposed to happen this time, but they're they're not medical grade. Yeah. Um, and, and finally, lastly, for those Albertans that live in uh, rural areas, uh, the closure of the distance learning center, which uh, parents could access, uh, for example, if they didn't have the population in a school that was taking uh, a chem 
or sorry, a physics course in grade 12, then that student could do an online model and uh, the government replaced it with a for cost or at cost tutorial service that is essentially just a conglomerate of videos. So parents have been pretty upset with four components and they've spoken out. As a result, when you speak out uh, against um, Minister LaGrange or Jason Kenney, you typically get your hand slapped. Um, we've seen that with MLAs. Um, you know, I'll go back to Leela here, right? She speaks out and now she's no longer Minister of Women, but instead replaced by an elderly white gentleman, a pastor from rural Alberta, speaking on and now representing the, the status of women. So the government of Alberta now has decided that, um, and I'll, I'll quote this, that um, Adriana LaGrange decided on January 19th that um, she announced the government would spend $1 million to send $500 directly to every school in Alberta, which was a significant cut. Um, and a news release at the time said it was to help prepare volunteers for the work and to strengthen the engagement of the parental voice in their schools. Um, she went further, or sorry, her press secretary um, said that the Alberta School Councils Association doesn't represent all parents and that the Alberta government is proud to expand opportunities to directly engage with all parents and the advisory council isn't a replacement for the Alberta School Councils Association, but they just want to reach different parents. So in the past, public uh, parents that have enrolled their children in uh, private schools, as well as I believe public schools, could have parent councils, not charter schools. Um, so uh, to my knowledge, so what they've done is they've just moved the, the goalpost a little bit as to how parents can engage. Um, and they've reduced the amount of funding that's available to those that their children attend in a public school system. Now, I, just for clarification, and so uh, we are recording this on January 26th, a week prior to this being aired on February 4th. Now, I, I say that because as of, uh, I want to say, two o'clock on the 26th, the Alberta edu uh, government released a statement saying uh, new public engagement to strengthen draft K-6 curriculum, where they opened up a online uh, comments for parents to give feedback on this draft curriculum. Uh, the link will be in the show notes for those who actually do want to fill this out. Uh, and I, the only reason I say that is because they say, Alberta, uh, it's quoted, Alberta's education minister, uh, Adriana Lagrange, or however you pronounce her last name, I apologize, said Alberta's government promised a year-long consultation process with multiple ways to provide feedback on the draft K-6 curriculum. These new sessions will enable Albertans to have a focused conversation and share specific constructive feedback on draft blueprints and subjects they are interested in. Now, when you hear that, uh, after saying what you've just said about potentially giving negative feedback to some people, do you expect this to be an actual open, transparent uh, consultation where parents will actually be able to give their feedback on the K through six curriculum? Everything that I've seen. <laughs> um, <laughs> I knew where I've, that was going. <laughs> everything I've seen from this government and, and to some extent governments in the past, um, when surveys are created, um, they're very pointed, right? They don't offer a lot of 
um, feedback that might be contrary to their intent. Um, so with regards to the curriculum um, and the draft of the curriculum, um, originally, like I said, there was a panel that studied it. The panel found no, no NDPing, no yeah. uh, social engineering. And actually they said it was a good curriculum. And so then um, everyone was fired from Alberta Learning that was involved with it. And then they hired um, a select group of people. Once again, Chris Champion being uh, the one yeah. most controversial. So they didn't listen to people they hadn't picked. Um, nextly, um, they did have some sessions, some Q&As for parents. And what was felt by people that I have talked to that attended the Q&A and what I've heard on uh, the Facebook uh, page with the group um, is that really um, they were softball pitches thrown by people that were sympathetic um, to the curriculum. Um, th this government does that all the time. They have town halls and then their MLAs are there asking questions of the MLA host, right? And they, they lob that softball that's a home run. So from what I understand, um, I didn't attend one, so I can't speak personally, but from what I understand from people that did and what we're noticing on the page and in the strings is that it was just, uh, it was a promotion. It was propaganda information on the curriculum draft um, as well. It was an opportunity for people to ask questions in the queue, um, but then Adrian handpicked or just continued to glorify the draft. So I don't feel that people got the ability to give feedback in an engaging way within those, which makes me extremely pessimistic that that will happen this time. So I really think this is once again, just a little bit of grandstanding or gaslighting uh, where we're going to give you an opportunity to speak, but we've already really made up our minds anyway. Um, and I'm glad you just said that because so January 19th, the uh, school board council uh, press release came out. January 20th, the next day, the K through six curriculum implementation for task force was announced saying that these are the people who are going to be implementing it. Yes. And then a week later, literally as we're recording this, we're now going to do more public engagement. I, I know governments need to know how to walk and run at the same or walk and chew gum at the same time, because if you can't, then you're going to be a really bad government. This is very confusing to me. And I think this is why I, I'm, I'm getting more like, like just mind boggled about this file every time I look at it. Yeah. If you're, um, if you're, if you're setting up a task force to implement something that you're currently going back to the drawing board with potentially engagement sessions, does that not just smell fishy to you? Because it smells fishy to me. Um, it, smells, <laughs> it smells rancid. Yes. <laughs> it smells rancid. Um, so uh, the other thing about this committee that's going to study uh, the curriculum, um, most of them handpicked, right? Yep. Uh, obviously, one, I'm going to use the word sympathetic again, sympathetic to the curriculum draft. Uh, one of them that stands out for me uh, is the superintendent of the uh, Fort Vermilion School Board, which is one of the boards that piloted the draft. Of course, you want people 
on this task force that have piloted the draft. Absolutely. Um, there are teachers on that. There are teachers on that panel. Now, I believe there might be two hands selected from Edmonton Public and Edmonton separate. Um, I do believe there will be a couple teachers, but for the most part, it's not teachers. So once again, this is... So I'm, I'm, I just pulled it up and I just want to make sure that my listeners are, uh, know this. So all it says is teacher representative piloting elementary school. Teacher representative piloting elementary school. Teacher representative just elementary school, and then principal representative, Calgary Board of Education, curriculum expert, Edmonton Public Schools. So it doesn't say who the teachers are or if their teachers are actually going to come forward and be on it. It just says teacher representative. So I'm not sure what a teacher representative is, but does that mean like a friend of a friend of the teacher? So that's my answer. <laughs> I have no idea. It's it's uh, it's extremely opaque. Yes. Okay. Um, my last question before we go here is: barring any unforeseen circumstances, this is going to go well with the school board. Uh, I just want to make sure I say this right: the school board council changes. Yes. With the draft curriculum implementation task force, with the public engagement to strengthen, which I still don't understand how you can strengthen something that's broken. Yeah. What needs to be done now? Because now we're getting to the point where they're they're going full steam ahead and they don't give two craps. What needs to happen next for people who are pissed at this K through six curriculum? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Open-ended um, question, but I love it. Yeah. Uh, education in Alberta is in serious peril right now. Um, both the curriculum, uh, as well as the parent involvement, as well as the profession of teaching and the pedagogical approach that we have, how shall I say, um, prevent, uh, professional jurisdiction over. Um, as a teacher right now, I feel extremely attacked. Um, I don't know if you've heard, but in the media, um, Adriana has been pushing this bill um, that's going to um, out bad teachers. Well, the AT already has a process and there is a process to out bad teachers. And in fact, the ATA doesn't support bad teachers. Uh, once it goes to, once it goes to a hearing, the, the, the teacher is responsible for their own legal counsel. So there's that. Um, they're trying to break the ATA. They're trying to disassemble the curriculum. And of course, when poor results happen, it's going to be on the backs of the teachers. Um, they're trying to eliminate the parent role in the class, in the school, um, by underfunding. And in order to just take the PD to become a part of this parent council will now be your responsibility because $500 per school council is not a lot. Um, And you have to take training to be a member of a parent council. So what's the end game? Um, I, I think that, and this goes back to um, Jason Kenny's, uh, where we have to crack the system. Um, we've, we've seen in Alberta, a push for privatized healthcare. And I really strongly feel with the, the act also, I'm just bringing all this into the equation to remove the word public 
from the titles of these school boards um, that we will be moving towards privatization because even the funding model now, uh, when you pay your taxes, you can choose public or separate, right? That used to be the way it was. Um, and now, and, and charter schools and private schools were funded by parents paying tuition. And now taxes from our, uh, uh, from our pockets and our bank accounts are deferred um, also to those school boards, so to private schools and charter schools. So I really think the end game, this, this long ball that he's throwing and Adriana being the puppet um, is, is to privatize education and, um, and move it in that direction. So by removing parents, by destroying the profession, um, by putting through a terrible curriculum that's ultimately going to look, look bad on the on the uh, the profession and schools, um, that's his ultimate goal. So what do we do? We fight like hell. Um, you you write your trustee, uh, you write your superintendent, you write your parent council, you write your MLA, you write your minister of education. But you're just going to get, if anything, uh, just a form letter back. You uh, you write your premier. Okay, and I think that we've got to a point where we need to protest. And um, I was a part of the march uh, two years ago, the Sea of Red that went to the legislature um, after our teachers convention was finished. Um, it was extremely powerful. Um, my social studies teacher was Larry Bowie. He was former president of the ATA and he was absolutely compelling. Jason Schilling was a fantastic speaker. We had a number of speakers up there and we need it's, it's not about my profession. And I need you to know that it's not about the, the, the public sector. It's about kids. So we need to fight like hell because this curriculum is going to be around from 10 for 10 to 20 years. I'm um, depending on the next election, you know, like if the conservatives, the United conservative party wins, this, this is in for another four years. If the new Democrats win, or if something else happens, who knows in Alberta, um, the gunfight, um, it could be, it could be walked back, but I think we have to fight like hell and it means just advocating for kids and not my profession. Um, Can I just say maybe a trucker convoy to Edmonton is in store? You know, it's I joke, I, joke. Yeah. I should not compare no. the two apples no. and oranges, but I joke on that. It's really interesting because I talked to a coworker the other day about teachers and, and some of the respect we get. And he's like, you know what? Nurses, doctors, police officers, EMS, firefighters, you know, they get a lot of respect. And he says, and he's been in the profession a long time. He says, but we're just teachers. Everybody's been a in school for 12 years we're just teachers and he says i don't know if that will ever change if the respect for what we do will ever change we were heroes um in 19 in march april and may pivoting on on a dime um and it just seems like they're trying to throw a lot of hate towards teachers this government um and it's not fair that fear and smear because you know, one case that they're trying to highlight actually took place under the conservatives and it was dealt with appropriately. Gentleman lost his license, can't teach, couldn't teach. Everything was followed to the T and they're just trying to, you know, grasp at straws because they're trying to take people's attention off the curriculum. 
That's what they're doing. They're, they're attacking parents right now. They're attacking teachers and profession right now because they want to draw attention off of the curriculum draft, which is horrific. And it's, it's a dumpster fire. And I don't think anything you can do other than closing, closing the lid on the dumpster and letting it smolder is a solve. Like you can, you can't draw anything from this curriculum. It's terrible. It's not even reusable. Yeah. I agree wholeheartedly. Wade, I want to thank you so much for doing this. I, I know uh, we have so much more that we need to talk about, but we will be probably calling back, uh, calling you back up to the big leagues here again, probably in a few more weeks, depending on uh, yeah. what goes on here in the province with when it comes to education. But I want to thank you so much for everything you do. Um, I, I do promise uh, for those who are listening and watching this, if you see us again it means that something massively crappy has just happened in the education file in like if we go to cut to commercial and then we come back two seconds later it's because something crappy has happened but i'm holding out hope that this government can just hold hold for a week hold until january for february 4th so we could release this um but wait i want to thank you so much for doing this once again and jumping on this so quickly yeah i mean i enjoy talking to you um (laughs) It's enjoyable. I hope we don't have to chat between the fourth, which means <laughs> things are things are uh, things are steady. But you know, with this government, they they don't give people an opportunity to rubberneck. It's it's one it's one event after another. That's that's the approach. Yeah, and ag- don't let people talk. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. Uh, for everyone here at the Crossboard interview was with Chris Brown. Have yourself an excellent day and. I'm just going to leave it at that because last time I said, see you tomorrow, that, well, you saw that we came back five seconds later. Um, Wade, thanks so much once again. Cross-Border Interviews with Chris Brown was produced and edited by Miranda Brown Associates Incorporated. To learn more about us, visit crossborderinterviews.ca. 